And so here we have the man of the hour with stuff. <laughs> Interesting stuff he's going to tell us about our spiritual director, inspirer, confidant, um, man of all seasons. Okay, Reverend Patrick Cameron. <laughs> I was in San Diego, and everybody had this cold and flu. And so I'm around them all week. I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And I get back, and I got the cold and the flu. Ah, thank you so much. And I don't even believe in germs, so I don't know what's going on with that. <clears throat> Icon. There we go. Am I on? Am I on? Okay, so <clears throat> here's what we're going to do. This is the plan today. Good morning. Isn't this sweet? This is just so great to get together. I, I just, I just can't, I can't tell you how much fun and joy my heart just sings uh, when we come together in community, in celebration. Someone said to me, um, I was walking through the sanctuary a few minutes ago and talked about the, the vibration of love. And it really is a vibrational tone of love. And it's, that's the vibrational tone of spirit. And so when we can put down the stories and the biases and things that restrict us from having that experience, it, then it's a different experience. And so I, I invite you to just step into that experience today. We continue now. We haven't fired the band. I don't want people going home and doing the, the phone tree of the band's now gone. Um, we just decided Brown was out of town. Uh, Dan Secker's here. And I know Tom, Tom Globus, our bass player, is here, one of our bass players. And, and, and Bell's here. Uh, we just decided we would go unplugged one week. And, and also, the other piece of it is, and I love Martin. I mean, this guy is a world-class vocalist and, and uh, songwriter. And he brought Angus with him. And uh, so I just want to let you know, all is well in the, the world of, <clears throat> of Oz, shall we say. And paying no attention to the man behind the green curtain. Because <laughs> I'm just standing here and he's, he's moving my lips as I talk. So, Anyway, with that said, I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to stand up and sing, we're going to do this a cappella, which means without any musical accompaniment. But I know you know this song, many of you do. If you're here for the first time, disregard anything I've said up to this point. The rest of the people may stand up to sing, and that would be great. And if not, stay seated. All right. So I'm going to start us off, hopefully in the right key, for all of us. In this very room... There's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit. One spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So I invite you in this moment to stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop what you're thinking. Take a breath. And relax. Be a star. Stop, take a breath, and relax. And allow the presence of spirit to fill that stillness and silent place within you that is perfect, whole, and complete, that has never been and can never be touched by anything that could ever diminish the higher truth of who and what you are.
And so in this moment, recognizing this perfection, I open my heart and I open my mind to see with that inner eye and hear with that inner ear that which is calling me forth in spite of whatever appearances I see in the world next to me or in the world around me. I go to this place of the Most High that is within and know that that is the place where I have faith and trust and confidence to create a world that is a world for everyone to belong in, including myself. And so I take this knowledge and I move into the world in peace and in harmony, in joy and in magnificence, giving and receiving the unconditional love that is my true nature to receive and to give. I give thanks this day for a powerful message I'm about to hear, for that within me that is stirred and moved, and for listening to what is called into action from me from this moment forward. I give thanks for God, for spirit, for that which is acting within that has brought me to this place that holds me and guides me from this point forward in my highest and best. For this I am truly grateful. I know it is so, and so it is. Thank you, Reverend Connie. It's beautiful. We are better when we're together. Didn't I just hear that somewhere? It is about it is about relationship. So I think as we start today and and uh, in this discussion, what we teach is that. The consciousness precedes experience. So I'm going to invite each and every one of us to set an intention individually and collectively that the people of Japan and everyone impacted by this earthquake and wherever there is suffering going on in the world, there's enough love in this room. When we sing this song, I take it quite seriously. There's enough love extended unconditionally, the conveyance of unconditional love by means of our hearts so that we know that everyone has everything they need. And Martin's song this morning reflects that so beautifully. So... Let's do that. Let's take a moment of silence and really ground ourselves so that as we have the discussion, let's just simply set the intention that that continues to build and grow and amplify itself by means of us. We are the portal of the beloved, of divine wisdom and clarity. And, 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 as, and we can fall into worry and despair, but it serves no good. Let us rise above conditions and see this for what it is and support one another in unconditional love. So in this silence and in this grounding of being, I share with you my vow and my devotion to express the highest vibrational awareness and expression possible by means of who I am. That there is enough love in this room where two or more are gathered, it is done. And so I am in agreement with you everything necessary for the unfoldment of right and perfect for ourselves and for everyone in the world suffering in this moment is supported here and now. This is the high watch. This is high invocation. This is a powerful, powerful gift. And what I also know upon that anything else for me to do in my thinking, in my being, or in my action, I stand ready, willing, and able. For this I give thanks.
You see, I think it's important for us to be able to stop wherever we are throughout the week. When we start to spin into the conditions of life and ground ourselves in our being. Because then we become the, the, the spark and the grounding point for spirit. And it's so easy when things happen, when tragedies show up, when things go away we're not expecting, to spin out in circumstances. So today I want to speak about that because that's something that I think is so important for us to have the conversation and keep alive. We've been, uh, this month we, I've selected a book called The Go-Giver. And it's a book by T- uh, Bob Berg and, and John David Mann. And it's a, it's a parable, actually. At the, at the top of the uh, David Bach, um, the author of The Automatic Millionaire, uh, wrote, he's quoted as saying, not since Who Moved My Cheese. I don't know how many of you have read Who Moved My Cheese, but I've had my cheese moved. I've never read that book, but I have had the, my cheese moved. So, Have I enjoyed a parable as much as this one? You owe it to yourself to read The Go-Giver and share its message with those who matter most to you. It's a beautiful book that will touch your soul and inspire your heart. And so there are five secrets in The Go-Giver. And the first one is it starts out with Joe, and Joe is the, the main character. He's the protagonist. <clears throat> and Joe... I'm going to just keep pouring liquids into myself here and keep going today, so just I'll have to take pauses once in a while. That one, that's the vodka. Here comes the brandy. <laughs> now I got it going. Oh, yeah. You should come to the gala. I'll be doing a wine-tasting demonstration for all of you. I'll talk about that in a bit as well. But anyway, in the Gold Givers, Joe is just, he's just, he is just rip-roaring, ready to, to do business. And he, he's, at the beginning, he's doing a, um, he's, on a, he's on a phone call with somebody that he needs to make this sale to reach his quota. So he's in driven behavior. And driven behavior is very popular. Get it done, get it done, you know, go get her. <clears throat> and so um, what happens through the disappointment, he's led to a mentor. He realizes, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. Which is very cool. I mean, that's typically how all of us operate. We do it. We do things and do things and do things. And then all of a sudden, we need somebody that'll break us out of that way of doing things. Einstein said it. Right over there, Albert. We cannot solve problems using the same kind of thinking we used to create them. And that's so true. And so what happens with Joe is he meets a mentor. And his mentor says, I'll tell you what. I'm going to teach you. Uh, I'll teach you what I know. But you've got to apply it, and I'll teach you one at a time, and you need to apply those, those lessons. And so this week, I'm just going to share the first lesson, lesson with you around that. And his name is Pindar, and they call him the chairman, but they refer to him as Pindar in the story. And Pindar says to Joe, when he finally meets, he, has to, he schedules a lunch with this guy. And Joe's just blown away, because this guy is just, he's like, you know, he's like the wizard. He's going to go see the wizard, get all the information. And Joe's blown away that he can get, get in to see this guy. And Pindar says, you see, the majority of people operate with a mindset that says to, to the fireplace, first give me heat, and then I'll throw on some logs. First give me heat, and then I'll, then I'll feed you. Today's talk is entitled Priming the Pump. And what inspired that is when I was a young boy, we had a farmer. We, we grew up in a, in a farming community. And my dad had the local, it was a trading post that then became a store. And then its evolution over the years, <clears throat> it is now, um, it's now a liquor store. So you can see that progression of consciousness there. <laughs> Spirit is alive there. <laughs> anyway, you know what? I'd like to do... I want to... Oh, I, gotta, I can't go there today, but... <laughs> there's, a, there's a Catholic priest in town that does a, a, a service in a tavern. And I just think, what a great idea. So let's all pray on that right now. <laughs> anyway... 
But the majority of people operate with a mind that says to the fireplace, first give me some heat and then I'll give you some logs. Or we say to the bank, give me some interest on my money and then I'll make a deposit. Have you noticed life doesn't work that way? It requires spiritual coin. And so it's a wonderful example of it. And, and so the first secret in the book <coughs> centers around giving. It center, centers around giving to prime the pump. As a young boy, as I was mentioning, I grew up in a farming community, and my neighbor had a hand pump. And so every once in a while, as a young kid, I'd go over and see him all the time. He was a great guy. He was probably, I mean, you know, he was probably in his 70s. And uh, he, had, he, had a big, he didn't have a big farm at the time, but he had, he had a hand pump there. And, uh, and so when we, sometimes he'd have to prime the pump. So in order to get water, he'd have to pour some water in and work the pump. And I'd work the pump and he'd be pouring the water in. And then we'd get water and it was great fun. But he said, you have to prime the pump. Have you ever siphoned a gas tank? Boy, there's a treat, isn't it? <clears throat> your buddy's standing over you. You're out in the middle of nowhere and your buddy's saying, make sure you don't inhale any of it. It'll kill you. Okay, thanks. You know? been there done that <clears throat> but anyway we have to we have to give in order to get life is it just works that way that's one of the secrets ultimately the world treats us we get what we give ultimately the world treats us more or less the way you expect to be treated we don't get what we need we get what we expect very interesting so he's saying, but what about if, if I give all the time, I'll be taken advantage of? And so Pindar says, Joe, Joe has this insight. He said, you're saying people don't take advantage of you because you don't expect them to, that because you don't put any focus on selfishness and greed, even when it's around you, it doesn't have much impact on you. And then they had a, he, had a, he had a flash of inspiration, like a, a healthy immune system. The disease is all around, but you don't catch it. Well, sometimes you do catch it. And he, what he said is you need to test every one of these laws I give you in this book. So the first law is the law of value. And in the law of value, they go to meet this uh, restaurateur. And he's got this beautiful restaurant. And the food is incredible and the service is amazing. And this man's name is Ernesto. He comes out and he, he's waiting on Joe and Pindar at lunch. And he says he started out, this Ernesto's restaurant started out as a hot dog stand. He said that, and what Pindar said is, Joe, people want the experience. People want the experience. So it was not the hot dogs, but the person serving the hot dogs that had vaulted the young man, to Ernesto, to such popularity. Not the dining, but the dining experience. Ernesto had made buying a hot dog into an unforgettable experience. Everyone likes to be appreciated. All things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, they like, and they trust. Isn't that true? If you've had a lousy meal in a lousy restaurant, you tell your friends, man, you've got to go check this place out. It's one of the worst meals I've ever had in my life, and the service was horrible. Get over there. <laughs> we just don't do that. It's not the way the world, the world works. A bad restaurant, Ernesto said, tries to give you just enough food and just enough service, both in quantity and quality to justify the money it takes from the customer. A good restaurant strives to give the most qual- quantity and quality for the money it takes. So the secret is your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. It's the first secret. How much more you give in value than you take in payment. Does it serve? Does it add value to others? Does it make money is the last question. Because we want to we uh, uh, thrive. 
I had a cabinet business for years and years and years, and I would build a cabinet and charge $4,000, and it would cost $6,000 to manufacture. And so after a while, I did a few of these. I, I did the math. I said, you know, this isn't working. And my buddy said to me, yeah, but we can make up for it with volume. I said, the math still doesn't work. Your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. So Pindar says you give and you give and you give. Why? Because you love to. Because you love to. So when you align yourself with your your inherent gifts and talents and skills, and you want to share those, we are so much more fulfilled when we're sharing the best of ourselves with the world. All the great fortunes in the world have been created by men and women who had a greater passion for what they were giving, their product, service, or idea, than what they were getting. Providing great service and great value because you're passionate about it and you love it. You love it. And see, when you live from that consciousness, and that becomes part of, your, part of the way you, your mindset is, all of a sudden the, the law of reciprocity shows up in a, in a new way in your life. That's why, you know, we talk about spiritual practice. You may not have time in your life to sit down every day or have not created time in your life to meditate. And you may not do affirmative prayer every day. But I think continuing to be exposed to the ideas at whatever level we are, we are exposed to shifts and changes over time. And it's in the moments, not just when we're in, in the formal setting of this, it's the moments when we go beyond this and all of a sudden we have a new insight in something that we've done over and over again, but all of a sudden we start to shift it, just perhaps very slightly. That's a shift in consciousness. And to set the intention, to realize, you know what, Spirit, I'm going to show up in my life this day, guide me and direct me in every way possible so that I make more um, uh, healthy choices that are in alignment with my divine purpose of being alive. And if we set those intentions, we're thinking anyway. We're thinking anyway. That's what we dwell upon, we become. In this wonderful book by Urban Sill, and Paul wrote about this in Philippians. Paul was one of the first writers. He was the first writer after uh, the teacher Jesus died. And he wrote this. And this is a road map. This is exactly what Paul was talking about. Ernest Holmes said we must amplify the conversation into heaven. See, we have, all of us have the capacity for good and bad. We've been given dominion. We can go out in the world and we can, and, and we can do things that, that, that um, Joe started out this way. He wanted to get and get. He was the go-getter. And he was looking for leverage. And he was looking for ways to make things happen in his life. I'm going to talk about this. I have a parable I want to share because it's so beautifully illustrated here. But in Philippians, Paul says, whatsoever things are true. See, truth is truth. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul's laid it out right there. He's saying, dwell upon these things. These things are aspects. See, all, the divine is all. The divine is it's all God. Even the earthquake in Japan was, was nature shifting and changing, moving. Because the earth does that. There's plates that move. 
Now, some would have this smaller, my, you see, all, for all of us, it's getting a bigger idea of what spirit is in our lives. See, spirit responds to us the level of consciousness we're at. And if we believe that the earthquake in, in Japan is punishment, that there's an arbitrary and capricious God that said, you know, it's time for me to punish the people of Japan. Then if you carry that mindset, you'll start to extract evidence to support that. I was, there was a program on television yesterday about Armageddon. Armageddon is written about in the, uh, the Gospel of John and all of the things that are going to happen towards the end. Well, if you believe that, you can extract that. You can find things to justify that. And, 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 and I, I want to support everyone in their belief system. I just don't want to join them in that belief system. We are not victims in this. We are creative, powerful, wonderful thinkers. And to awaken to that and to step into consciousness in a new and powerful way so our lives... that We don't, we don't control the earthquake. But we can control our response to it. And we can live fully and be alive and awake and aware while we're here. And then we're an asset to everybody. And I say, let's do this. If, if it all ends tomorrow, let's keep doing it because that's the thing to do. Be in alignment with our soul's purpose, with our divine purpose, and express that wherever we go. So I love this from Paul. Whatsoever things are true. This is what I want to know. This is the conversation I want to have. Guide me and, and direct me in my inner being and my outer being and my outer experience. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. They want people to be able to come to me because I, with the, grounded in the honesty and integrity of being, we don't have to worry about that. Should I share this? Should I, should I share this? Is this going to be used against me in some capacity? You know, we've all had those experiences where we've shared something in confidence with someone and then the confidence has been betrayed. And it's painful. And so we learn and we discern from that. Because that's, some people aren't ready to hold things for us. I always say, if you, want, if you want to keep a secret, don't tell anyone. <clears throat> if you want everyone to know, just tell one person. And, and, and it is true, it's our nature. So discernment is very important. So in this parable of the talents, which lines up beautifully with what Joe's going through about this idea of giving, the parable of the talents is, a, is another a parable of Jesus, He's, and it's from the Sermon on, uh, by the Sea. <clears throat> I'll read a bit of it, and then I'll explain a bit of it. It's quite, well, it's a lengthy parable. But for the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven, of course, is a state of mind, is a man traveling into a far country who calls his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. So this guy's getting ready to leave. He's the, he's the master of the house. He said, I'm getting ready to go, and I want to give you guys something. And unto one he gave five talents. And talents are a measure of value, and they were either gold or silver. And so they were all equal measures. And let's say they were loonies. So if one gave five loonies. And to every, uh, to, to every man according to his se- uh, several ability. And straightway took his journey. Then he went and he received the five talents and went and traded them. So the guy that got five went and he traded them, and he doubled them. And then he had given one of the servants two talents because, and he realized, he discerned. See, this is very interesting. Who's the master in this? Well, it's consciousness in the spirit. And so spirit realized that, you know what? Um, it's Winkin, Blinken, and Nod. Winkin, Blinken, Blinken got the two talents. Now we know who these guys are. Winkin, Blinken, and... So Blinken got the two talents. And it, he realized, spirit realizes by right of consciousness that, that Blinken can handle two talents. Winkin got five. And Nod got one. Based on consciousness. So the first one, the five with the five went out, he traded and he made another five. And the second guy who got two went out and, and traded as well and doubled his. Now he's got four. First one's got ten. Second one's now has four. And the, the last guy, Wink and Nod, went out and buried his. He buried it in the ground. 
And so the master comes back after several weeks of traveling, and he says, how'd you guys do? And the guy with, that had five went to the master and said, here, I doubled your money for you. And he's, he's fantastic. Bless you. And the man that got two, wants, he as well said, here, I doubled your money. And so the man who had buried it because he was so afraid of, that something bad might happen, he said, oh, you, let me read it to you here because I'll, 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 I will elaborate in ways that are unkind to number, five, to number one, to nod. He said to the, the ones that had done the, uh, doubled the money, he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. The Lord is the law. And the joy is the experience. It's the gates of heaven. You've been a good servant. He also said that receiving the two talents and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside me. The Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord, which is a state of consciousness. It's oneness. <clears throat> and then which he had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. So right away, this guy's been given one gift, and, and he sees the master as a hard person, and he sees the world as a scary place. And so he went and buried it. He said, I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine, and he gives him back the one talent. And his master says, thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reaped where I, not, I sow not, and gather where I not strawn. Thou oughtst therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. He could have simply taken the talent and loaned it to one of the brokers and gotten back some simple interest, but he was so scared he wouldn't even do that. For unto every one, and, and so what he says to the other servants, said, take it away from him, take his one talent away from him and give it to the, the man that has the ten, because he can handle it. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance from which him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. Talking about consciousness. He's talking about the growing into the consciousness of being able to hold the possibility. And, and so Irvin Seal in this book I'm reading from, Learn to Live, he has this whole discussion around the parables. And I've been using this over the last several weeks because it's wonderful stuff. And this is the metaphor, this is the example that the teacher Jesus taught from were parables, stories. But he was talking about consciousness. Seal, Irvin Seal says, this is a parable about justice and about the law as it is in the kingdom of heaven, which is a state of mind. Use is the lesson here. Use determines all qualities, whether good or bad. Use determines all qualities. It doesn't matter if we have the idea. If we don't act upon it, it's just a fantasy. It's just mental activity. Mary Manon Morris has said it's just recreation. Use determines all qualities, whether good or bad. Don't use what you have and it will rust away. If we don't, if we don't give life to our spiritual qualities, they just rust away. And then we all lose. It's also a story about not shrinking away. This parable is the elements of adventure and risk. Daring are implied. Don't be overcautious. Strike a bold blow for freedom and advancement. Better go down fighting for what is right than rot suffering what is wrong. All that is apparent in the parable at the ordinary level of understanding. So one of the clues in this is that there's five, there's two, and there's one. 
Parables, in this parable, it is certain measures of life that are being discussed. You, you, we know people that show up, and they seem to be more intuitive. They seem to have, as, as Seal talks about, psychic energy. They have a measure of life, or they have a certain a quality about them. For we all come with certain endowments differing in measure and degree. Every one of us has talents and gifts, unique and powerful and wonderful. Some of us have a strong psychic tide running. Some have only a small swell. Some people have a strong sense of capacity and power to be and to do and to have. They have strong desires and drives which sends them forward industriously and courageously. Millions of others, on the other hand, are more hesitant, doubtful, and more awed by circumstances and facts. They are not endowed with a boundless energy. And in facing the obstacles and challenges of life, they tire and retreat easily. But many of those less highly endowed can be taught to realize the deeper strength and talents which are native to their being, but which are not in evidence or in function at first. So why we are here, at times we can be the person with the one talent. We can be the person with the two talents. We can be the person with the five. It reflects varying states of consciousness. And as we start to understand it and give life to that and start to trust that and move out, in it, and he said it's, a, it's about adventure. It's about the boldness of understanding. Here's an opportunity. I've never done this before. But having this, the grounding in our spiritual nature to understand that we do have gifts and talents, that we are deserving of love, that we do belong. Gold is in every person. Gold is in every person. That's just true. The treasure is within each and every one of us. It's not always on the surface in the beginning of a person's life. But it is there and it can be drawn out and realized at any time. Our literature, our stories are full of instances of people who started with great handicaps and small talents. But by industry and zeal, they dug out their precious stuff within themselves and purchased life and achievements with it. Those stories are legendary. We're not stuck. We get stuck when we keep having the same, the same mental atmosphere going on within ourselves and expecting the different results. But we're not stuck. And we need mentors like Joe in this story of the go-givers. He found a mentor that said, Joe, first thing you need to understand is life's about giving. It's about sharing. It's about, about providing such extraordinary service that everyone wants to do business with you, that you are just a magnet for good because you're alive with your gifts. Do you want to hang out with somebody that's not alive with their gifts? Hi, how are you? Good to see you. I brought my brother out to California one year. My brother is a wonderful teacher for me. He's four years older. I brought him to California, and I said, Hey, man, that's great, because he's, he's somewhat of a recluse. Uh, takes somewhat out of that. My brother's a recluse. Anyway, I love him, love him, love him, love him, love him. But I brought him out, and I said, Hey, you want to go to Disneyland? You want to go to a Dodger game? We'll go to Knott's Berry Farm. We'll go to Magic Mountain. Where do you want to go? And he said, Why don't we go down and get some cold cuts and make some sandwiches? <laughs> so we spent a week eating sandwiches together. Well, it was his vacation, and I was going to make sure he had a good time. I, I think he had a good time. He really liked the salami, as a matter of fact. All effective prayer. All, uh, Seal says, all effective prayer, constructive thinking, is correcting what you see and hear by what you know. All effective prayer is, cor- is correcting what you see and hear by what you know. All effective prayer is correcting what you see and hear by what you know. See, if we see and we hear what the condition is and we believe it that people are stuck in this, that they're victims, 
We stop there because we've agreed with the condition. But there's something for us to know. Dr. Barker used to say there's always first something to know. So we, we, of course, have compassion for the people in Japan. Of course, we have compassion for people that are suffering. But to also understand the divinity that is, is active and alive there. And that, and that the one person striving for freedom is a call collectively for everyone. We are hardwired for freedom. We're hardwired for beauty and grace and, and, and to share our gifts. And things happen on the planet. Things happen in the world. And it is not our responsibility. Uh, it is our responsibility to respond to it intelligently and with compassion. But to know each person is where they need to be for whatever reason. If people live their lives by the law of averages and they live their lives randomly, then random things will happen. That's why consciousness works. And we start to wake up and it's a, it's a journey for us. I got to tell you, I wasn't planning on getting a cold. But it used to be, our teaching used to be, when I came into this teaching, it was okay to die. You just couldn't get sick. I used to walk in and my fellow practitioners say, you got a cold? What's wrong with you? What's in your consciousness? Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your compassion. <laughs> right, Julie? She's laughing. She knows what I'm talking about. So a five ta- what, what is he talking about with the five talents? The five talents represent, here's a, an individual that is awake and aware enough. Jesus understood this because he, he lived in the five talents most of the time. And what, what Seal's talking about is the five talents is not just the, the seeing and the smelling and the tasting and the hearing and the feeling. Those are our, that's what we, we know to be real. Many people stop there. That's what I just talked about. But how do we get to the bigger idea? How do we know something different? How do we know something larger? Well, that's being in the conversation with that still small voice that lives within each and every one of us. When I start to describe, describe an experience or a quality to you, you may have a, a physical response to that, but it's, it, but it's not because you're seeing it or hearing it, but all of a sudden you will have a vision of it in your own consciousness, and you'll say, I see that, I get that. And that's that inner vision. When people come to me, I'm always listening, at, at, I'm listening with the ear, but I'm also listening with the heart. And, and I, my teacher would talk about this over and over and over again as a practitioner, people come to you to listen at, that, that, at two levels, with the ears, but also listen with your whole being. But it's listening with your heart. And, to, and, and the feeling, what does this feel like? Because I can have my emotions, I have my emotions, but what does this feel like? So it's, that, it's bringing the five earthly senses and the five divine senses to the, to the plate. And the metaphor in the story is he went from five, he doubled it. What Jesus is trying to say is, look, you got the five senses, but you can double it. And so the guy with the two senses, the, the, the fellow that shows up, and I live, I was the guy with the two senses. The two talent, two talent man represents something similar as the five, but lower down the scale of consciousness that commands. So the guy with two, he doubled it as well. And he explains here how he did it. The five talent man had, has had to discipline and train his ordinary five senses in order to win the five inner senses, to fine tune it. So when we're driving in our car, What's going on here? What's informing me? What's bubbling up for me? I ask people all the time, what's alive for you? What's bubbling up for you as I say that? As we sit in class and we do these experiential experiences, I'll say to people, what's alive for you now? And it's tapping into that and saying, I don't know, I just I feel sad or I joy, happy, whatever it may be. But it's tapping into that conversation as well. 
So the five-talent man has had to discipline and train his ordinary five senses in order to win the five inner senses, and it's a journey. He has had to work in and upon himself. The two-talented person doesn't know much about discipline, but they have a desire. They have strong drives and impulses towards good. They have a vigorous desire to grow and to expand and to create and to achieve. They're zealous and industrious. This is the kind of mind that knows little or nothing about the laws of mind, but it accomplishes by its great native drive and vigor of action. We see this all the time. People set a goal. see it with with world-class athletes. You see it in all areas of achievement because this is the way the law works. They're single-minded at purpose. They have the will to hold it there. This kind of person is not a philosopher necessarily. They probably wouldn't even join us. They don't care. They just want their lives to work. One of my greatest teachers has never been one one of our centers. One of my dearest friends in the world is a carpenter. He lives this teaching. He didn't need to sit around and hear this stuff week in a week. He just lives it. Of course, what you get, you get back. That's simple. You know, I want to drive my Harley on the weekend and drink beer. See you later, buddy. I needed to immerse myself in it because I needed to really get it. I knew that the only way I was going to get it was to teach it. This kind of person is not a philosopher necessarily. He does not necessarily think much about anything, but what is immediately before him. He is objective and extroverted. For him, there are only two things to consider, himself and the world immediately in front of him. He has confidence and push and is not easily thwarted. Such a mind doubles its money. So he's talking about levels of consciousness once again. And then he says the one talent person is a vegetable. He has no strong interest. I don't mean to pick on the guys here, but I'll use as he wrote it because I don't. Okay. They have no strong interests or drives. They hesitate, doubt, and wait. Instead of acting upon the world, they allow the world to act upon them. They're afraid to even desire better things because it may be against God's will. They are overawed by events and by the apparent sovereignty of facts. They recognize only the outside world. They feel no inner reality, no inner desire, and no push to modify the outer world. They're not engaged. They're not doing the work. They're not asking the questions. They're not asking the questions. A person cannot change unless we change our ideas. But to change one's ideas, one must get a new viewpoint and a new standard of judgment. Otherwise, one's ideas will simply be a repetition of the old indifferent dress. The new standard of judgment which will produce new ideas is the understanding of the law of mind. The law of mind. But this is buried in the one talent person. It's not even alive. And see, all of these various levels of consciousness, we can all, we can all fall into. I've been the one talent person. I've, I've buried, I've hid my light under the bushel basket. It's another parable Jesus tells. I've been the five, the five talent person. I've been the two talent person. I think I've been the two talent person most of my life. Pushing through, pushing through, getting it done. And so develop into that. It's a beautiful metaphor. What a beautiful story this teacher Jesus was talking about. It's so many levels of being and how we operate. And it's, it's, it's reflective of all of us. Anything unused withers away. So if you're not interested in, in developing that, just don't use it. But it will be your loss and our loss. See, the, world, the world's longing for, for people to stand in this consciousness and share your gifts and to give and to give and to give. If we're in the habit of understanding that, the gifts, the gifts find us and come back to us. We are doing our, uh, our gala. 
And this is the third year we've done it. And we do this because we, it's, part, it's a significant part of our budget in terms of fundraising. And uh, last week, the first year we had 246 people show up. And it was great, great fun, and we had a wonderful time. Danny Hooper's going to be there, and we had these wonderful prizes. Marilyn Shashansky's uh, allowed us to use her, her, uh, her beautiful condo in Costa Rica. I have pictures up here of stuff I brought with me. And, uh, and airfares included, and then we have a, something in uh, Fort St. George, Utah, this wonderful spa. And Leslie Paul has put these together for us from Paul Travel, and she's just a wonderful lady and very supportive. And so last week, um, we looked, and we had 27 tickets sold. And I said, you know, this thing is going to be, and this is my vision. I'm the guy in charge. This is my responsibility. And I remember the first year we had sold three tickets about two weeks before the event. And I got up and I talked about generosity of spirit. I talked about what great people are here and what a wonderful, wonderful community this is. We got a letter, this, this, uh, a letter and a phone call from a woman in England. We do the podcast. On our, if you're not here, you can go on our website. You can download a talk. You can listen to it. And I got a call from a woman, she's a journalist, who, who writes for a paper in Boston. And she talked to my wife, Laura, and she said, I just want to let you know that my life, over the last year, I've listened to these talks, and my life has changed. It's, it's changed everything, and, and I want to interview your husband. And I thought, what a blessing this community is. The, the support that we have, and being able to do this. There's a couple up in uh, high level that live up there, that, that take our talks and they put them on the, the website for us, podcast. They've been doing this for years for us, for no charge. Just out of the love and the commitment. They do the little synopsis each week. Keep it going. And the, the letters that come in, and the, and the, the, the gratitude and the appreciation. Uh, when I was in San Diego, I got an offer to, uh, they, would, they would like us to start filming our talks. There's a, there's a young minister that's just a dynamo, and he said, I want to put about a dozen ministers and, and speakers on our, our new, putting together a new uh, website, sort of a television station on the, on the web. And he said, I want you to be one of those ministers. So I came back, we had a board meeting yesterday about budget, and we've had a really challenging year because things did not track the way we thought they were going to track. I said, well, look, would it be, be possible to, to, to do this? And they said, well, we don't, we don't really want to put that in the budget. Let's see how we track. I said, that's fine. I'll underwrite it. I want to do that. I passionately believe in that. And I'm the guy that's underwriting this, this uh, gala. Because I believe in his teaching. And I believe that it's important to take the resources we have. I believe it's important to come together in celebration and celebrate what we're doing here. You know, even people on the podcast, if everyone listens to our podcast, if everyone would send in this year $100, it'd probably be close to $100,000. I'm just going to put that on the podcast. If your lives have been touched by that. We have, we have somewhere between six and 10,000 people each month that listen to these talks. And the reason I, I, I stand here before you and have this discussion is I believe in what we're doing. This teaching has changed my life. I watch and listen to the stories, and I watch lives be transformed. And, and I, there's parts of me that don't even want to go there with you. But what I love is watching people step up and, and support what we're doing here. And if you can't come to the gala because it's financial for you, come and talk to me. Laura and I have bought a couple of tables. I'm just giving tickets away because I want people there. And I know I, I, this is a generous group of people. We're doing great. This is, there's, doc, you know what Dr. Ken Gordon told me on the way back from uh, the States? And he's the president. He goes to all the communities. He said, your community and my community. He said, 
and I know he doesn't want me sharing this, but he said, you, t- you and I are the best ministers in this movement right now. And I was so touched. I just felt so blessed. Because there's days, I've got to tell you, I don't feel like that. When I, when I look at the budget and we don't hit the budget and we're laying staff off, I just feel like, man, why am I not using this teaching properly? But what I get to look at is I have used the teaching and what wants to be given birth to here, we can give birth to. It's disappointing. I remember we were, we were a volunteer organization and we got away from that. We lost our way. And I remember one day I got a, I got a proposal for somebody that was going to work the video booth for us. And it was this, this proposal to do it every week and financial. And I, I looked at Laura and I said, how did we get to this? How did I set this up? So that everyone looks at this community as, as a, a part-time job. But to, to come and be in service is a powerful thing. When I asked for help, we, we created an environment. You know, someone said to me, I've been working my, my I've got to tell you, this, this lesson for me on this fourplex, I have put hundreds and hundreds of volunteer hours into this fourplex. And someone said to me a few months back, I thought it was a great idea. I really thought it was a wonderful, spectacular idea. It has drained me physically. And it's been a drain on us financially. So we're going to clean that up. And I was hoping we'd have a, a dynamic men's group that would kind of swoop in there and help me do things. We don't have that. And I realize here I have, I've, I've, I'm replaying a theme in my life that I'm done with finally. I've asked for help, I've asked for help, I've asked for help, and then I'm over there spending my own money to get this thing up and going because the city came in and made us do all the repairs. But one of the wise mentors in this group said, you know, Reverend Pat, you know why you're over there doing that? And I didn't say anything, but, but he understood. He said, because you, because you allow it. You allow it. You've agreed to this. So I'm just telling you, gang, we have a wonderful thing going here. We're going to write this ship. If you come to the gala, you're going to have a great time. If you can't be there, I love you anyway. I love this teaching. This center and this teaching is going to be here. Because this is a powerful movement. This is a powerful gift and tool to have in our lives. And I want everyone here to live from those five senses. I want everyone here to prosper so much that when we say, hey, there's a project we can do, let's, let's all join in because there's enough time and there's enough resources and then there's enough energy. But it's, it's nurturing that garden of possibility so that we can do those things together. You know, there's two ways to look at that fourplex. We can fix it up and sell it and get rid of it and be done with the distraction. Or we could put a program together and say, let's retire the debt on that thing. And then it becomes an endowment for the community. But I've got to tell you, and those are just choices. Those are vision. Was ever possible. But I'll tell you, I'm done carrying it. I just can't. I know I'm, I'm sick right now because this is the message for me. I'm just worn down. And, and Laura and I have talked about it. And she's watched me go out the door on my days off and go over there and work. And I, I just share that with you because it's such powerful learning. How can I stop doing this? I love this place, man. I want everyone to have this in their lives. I'm going to underwrite the, the, the camera. I'm not going to hold the, the board's head underwater and make them put a camera in. But I know how powerful this teaching is. And I want to touch as many lives as we can and, and grow big consciousness, grow big people. And so I, 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 just, I thank you so much. I just thank you for everything you've done, for showing up. But, and I thank you for teaching me the things that I need to learn so that I can give my gifts and talents to the fullest of my ability. And I know carpentry... See, I'm, I'm, I'm cursed. I have a lot of proficiencies. You know, someone said, let's, let's put a balcony up in, this, in the sanctuary. Yeah, I can do that. I got a hammer and a saw. Let's go do it. Uh-uh. I have, to, I have to, just like you have to, honor our precious energy. And look what we're saying yes to. One of my mentors, I have several of them, said, Patrick, you're giving away too much free beer. 
That's true. We can do that because I want to be generous. And I want to give all I got. It's a finite period of time. I told Laura yesterday, there's never going to be enough time. We have a finite period of time to be together in our relationship. And I don't want to screw it up and I don't want to waste any more time. And the same thing with you guys. So I thank you. If you want to join us at the gala, I'm doing a dance contest. It's Dancing with the Minister. We're going to roll that out. You don't need to dress up if you don't want to. If you, like I say, and if you, you can't afford it, come and talk to me. I'll, I'll get you a ticket. I'll buy you a ticket. I just want you there. You know, I, love, I just love this community, and I love everything that, that has unfolded here. It's, it's phenomenal. When the leader of our organization says to me, you know, you and I are probably the best ministers in the movement, and our, our centers are probably the healthiest. They put me on a panel, as I said last week, down there with, with three doctors, and myself talking about uh, with the new ministerial students. And I said, you don't want me, man. We didn't meet our budget this year. First time in eight years we went sideways. <laughs> Shut up. Because it's not about that. It's not about those circumstances. It's about vision and the five senses and understanding what's possible. This, this is such a powerful teaching. Take this into your lives and use it powerfully and wonderfully. Stop discounting yourself. Allow the genius that lives within you, the special gifts, the unique talents that you have, and share them. And as you share more of them, you develop that. Because if you don't share them, they wither. And they, go, they just fall by the wayside. And we never get to enjoy them. I support you in that, and I thank you for your support in that. And so it is.